0: Podcast.com Thank you so much for listening to the Public Relations Review Podcast, and have a great day. Welcome. This is the Public Relations Review Podcast, a program to discuss the many facets of public relations with seasoned professionals, educators, authors, and others. Now, here is your host, Peter Woolfolk. Welcome to the Public Relations Review Podcast and to our listeners across America and around the world. Now, needless to say, I'm always pleased to welcome all of my guests to the program, but I'm exceptionally pleased to have a global technical celebrity on the show today. My guest joins us from the Washington, D.C. area, which also happens to be the area I'm from. She's Kathy Hackel, a globally recognized augmented reality, virtual reality, and spatial computing thought leader. She's been named one of the 10 tech voices on LinkedIn for two years in a row. She is the co-author of Marketing New Realities for the first VR, AR marketing book ever written. And she and co-author John Buzzle have written a second book, The Augmented Workforce, How AI, AR, and 5G will impact every dollar you make. She has led agencies, brands, and companies in applying augmented reality and virtual reality for marketing and training, including brands like AT&T and Porsche. Kathy has been featured in numerous media, and she is a global advisor for the VR AR Association and was recognized in 2016 by NBC News as one of the top Latina women working in VR. Earlier, she worked at media companies including CNN, Discovery, and ABC News. She received a 2007 Emmy nomination for her storytelling work. Now, if that's not enough, she's also the creator of the world's first holographic press release, and she loves all things spatial computing, artificial intelligence, and futurism. Kathy, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Well, I'm excited to be here and share some of the... uh some of the emerging tech goodness that uh, that I live every day.
0: Well, look, uh, I tell you, let's start here because when I noticed that uh, obviously you've been in other media with uh, CNN, uh, ABC News and so forth, how did you make this transition? What did you see or what did you learn that uh, maybe you're going to make the transition from this media over to artificial intelligence, AR and so forth?
1: Yeah, well, so I definitely always, I was always a storyteller, right? And I knew when I wanted to go to college, I wanted to go into journalism. That's what I did. I was in broadcast journalism. I always, you know, I always say that my, uh, the reason I got into VR and AR is very much linked to my time in journalism. So back in 2004, I was working for CNN. And part of my job there was to look at all the raw footage that was coming in from the war in Iraq. So as you can imagine, I had to say, see things that were not very pleasant. So um, I always say I was a Facebook moderator before they were Facebook moderating in some way. So when you see that type of stuff, those types of images, you kind of have to turn your humanity switch off just a little bit just to kind of get by. And for me, it wasn't until I put on a virtual reality headset, you know, five years ago that I didn't feel like I was fully, fully able to turn it back on. I went to a conference, put on a VR headset, went into an experience called confinement by The Guardian, that puts you in a solitary confinement cell that's like six by nine meters, Mm -hmm. so pretty small, where prisoners spend 90% of their time. And, you know, within minutes, something clicked in my brain. Um, You know, I did feel claustrophobia, but something clicked. I took the headset off, and in my mind, I was just blown away by the storytelling possibilities. And I just said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. and, And then it's been a journey ever since. It's been five years now in the industry.
0: Well, that's interesting to hear how that came about. Now, this book that you have coming out uh, about the augmented workforce and how AI, AR, and 5G will impact every dollar we make, let's (laughs) dig deep on that one because obviously that's going to attract a lot of attention. So how will that begin to or has it begun to impact the dollars we're making now?
1: Yeah, I I think we'll see an acceleration definitely, you know, through what we're living um, through now with the pandemic. I I think we're going to start to see an acceleration of adoption of some of these technologies even further. You know, when when John and I started working on the book, and, and the book is, is due to come out in late 2020, we started to think about what is something that's going to impact everyone, whether it is that you um, work in a, you know, in a warehouse or whether you're an executive at a, at a big corporation. And we just realized, okay, there are certain technologies that are converging and that are starting to create this change. And while this change is in some ways just starting, it's gonna get accelerated and it's gonna have an impact. So we wanted to write this book specifically for people in you know, in different types of uh, verticals and industries, but that are leaders in their companies, that are up and coming managers, uh, that are executives. They really wanna inform themselves about how these technologies, going beyond, basically going beyond just the definitions to really understanding how they're being implemented across different industries and verticals. Mm-hmm. So. It's changing, and you ask me how is this going to happen? It depends on the vertical, and it depends on the industry. One of the things that we're doing right now, um, you know, to complement the book, is we're interviewing lots of experts in automotive, in manufacturing, uh, in media, in PR, in a whole bunch of different uh, verticals, and we're kind of trying to understand, you know, where things are at with these different technologies and how it's going to impact the outlook of these careers and the outlook of the industries as well. So um, so yes, it's been a lot of a lot of industry in you know interesting conversations, a lot of exploration. Um, I, I happen to be a professionally trained futurist. I, uh, I trained at the University of Houston that has a very well recognized future studies program under Andy, Mr. And Dr. Andy Hines, who's an amazing guy and um, I've been able to start using some of those tools of strategic foresight and future studies to also inform the way the you know the way the book presents different potential futures on how these technologies are going to impact us.
0: Well, two things from from what you've said. One, let's let's define what a futurist is, so that we're all on the same mm-hmm. page with that.
1: Yeah. So uh, you know, people always hear the word futurist, and they immediately think, oh, is so someone that does you know makes predictions. It, it's not really that. I mean, if a futurist is making predictions, it doesn't you know doesn't really align with the academic training and the idea that, you know, academically trained uh, futurists uh, really think, we we really, what we do is we prepare people and companies for uncertainty. And uncertainty, obviously, is something that we're living through right now. We help create that long-term strategic thinking, strategic foresight, uh, so that companies and people can start thinking about the potential futures that are ahead of them. If, you know, it's, it's about helping them prepare for uncertainty and Mm -hmm. helping them have that long-term strategy.
0: Okay. I've got that one. Mm -hmm. Now let's.
1: Peter, can I Uh I add something to that? I think it's actually really important for PR. This is something I've never understood in in the last couple of years is why strategic foresight is not necessarily a big part of public relations because PR pros having been one, uh, we do a lot of, you know, crisis management and crisis preparedness and, and things like that and you know i personally think that there is room for disruption in pr and room for adding strategic foresight as another discipline for pr practitioners
0: you you know you it's interesting you brought that up because uh oh several months back i had a guy on here jonathan bernstein had said because mm-hmm. he's a um a fellow that is uh well recognized in uh Crisis communications, and uh, as well, what he said is that a lot of things could be prevented if people took the time to sit down and anticipate what could go wrong, and then begin to build strategies and policies to to prevent that or try to prevent the uh, uh, mitigate it as best as possible. But mm-hmm. well, so I think that there are some people are beginning to and have started to take a look at it. Uh, you you're perhaps right. Maybe they haven't they didn't deal or go down deep enough to uh, fully uh, flush this out.
1: And I think when you have a client and you present to them these potential future scenarios of, you know, we call them, you know, potential futures, and you present these to them and, and you can kind of work back to how do we, you know, how do we prevent this, let's say catastrophic future from happening mm-hmm. or what have you, like there's a whole you know, th- there's a whole opportunity, I think, for PR pros in that area. So, so definitely wanted to include that since I know your audience is, you know, mostly you know business communicators and PR pros.
0: Well, I, I think that's a very, very, very important piece. At least uh, you know, as we look at it from a futurist point of view, let's mm-hmm. also transition into one of the biggest things on on the horizon right now is 5G. It, uh, I guess, is beginning to roll out. Uh, maybe we all haven't adapted to it yet, but tell us what impact. First of all, h- explain how 5G works and what it is, and then how you see that impact the public relations area.
1: So I am not a 5G expert per se. I have plenty of friends that are. I have a good friend at uh, Verizon, Nigel, who's a superstar in the 5G world. Um, what I will say is that um, it, basically it is we're going to have more bandwidth, we're going to have faster connectivity, lower latency. Um, this will allow for higher fidelity. It would allow. It will allow for, you know, more faster speeds, more connectivity. It's going to allow for our entertainment to actually go beyond, I personally believe it's going to allow the entertainment to go beyond just our, our screens, right, our flat rectangles on our desks and our walls and our hands into our reality, whether it's through virtual reality or augmented reality. It's going to allow us to have that you know that power that umph, you know behind these technologies so you know you're starting to see it roll it out you're starting to see controversies as well I you know I don't trade in conspiracy theories regarding 5g so I'm not even gonna go there but it's um, you know just yeah it's, it's crazy but you know it's faster connectivity lower latency uh, more ability for us to be able to consume uh, content in a totally different way so you know, it'll also mean a lot for businesses. You know, now that, we're, now that we're all being forced to live in a virtual digital space, working at home and having Zoom meetings all day, um, you know, those things matter, matter more than ever.
0: Well, that was the big thing that I had gotten out of the, the little bit I had read about 5G is that it's going to be super fast compared to what we have now. Fidelity of the visual is going to be uh, even, even more than it, than it is now. Uh, You're right. There are some other some issues going around about 5G, depending upon who you get your equipment from and and all the things connected with that. But uh, it's here and look like it's obviously it's here to stay.
1: It is. It is. And the world needs it. We need that connectivity. And I I always say that, you know, we're eventually going to get into the six G's and the six G plus or whatever comes next. Right. So it's just something that's not going to you know, that that's only going to continue accelerating. Mm-hmm. Especially as we move further in digital transformation and being thrust into this virtual world, digital world, we're going to need further connectivity. So it'll be a demand that we you know, barring any catastrophic <laughs> energy, you know, crisis <laughs> or like of some sort. I don't know, uh, you know, electrical grid <laughs> chaos. Um, we're going to need those, con- you know, that connectivity.
0: Well, now now you have been mentioning you have been talking to a lot of people in the PR field and asking them about uh, their perceived impacts of things like, let's say, uh, augmented reality. What have you been mm-hmm. getting from them when you talk about uh, augmented reality as well as artificial intelligence? What sort of feedback have you been getting from uh, those uh, questions?
1: So I'll go through three of the things that, three of the things that have um, really you know, gotten me thinking from those conversations. I would say uh, I'll start with virtual reality so with virtual reality some of the conversations I've had have been really interesting uh, around uh, for example media training and spokesperson training because mm-hmm. um, you know if you're a PR person and you've trained an executive you've done the whole thing where you pretend to be the reporter and you ask the tough questions and all that stuff right but it's you it's it's their comms person right or it's the you know or it's the uh, consultant you hired uh, but with VR, you can actually put the headset on. You know, if the executive is one of the people that would allow you to do that, but they can put the headset on and go into a simulation where they're in a studio and they are faced with someone they don't, you know, necessarily know or what have you, and they can role play that even further. And you know, you can also uh, critique it a lot better and show it, you know, backwards and say, "Hey, here is where you were looking down at the desk; you should have been looking at the camera," or you know, kind of really, really. Top, you know, really tackle spokesperson training and media training in a totally more immersive and potentially more effective and more engaging way. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the conversations where I was like, a hundred percent, I agree with you, hundred percent, on its powerful use for this type of, um, you know, of of PR, PR task and PR role. So that's one of the ones. Uh, then with augmented reality, um, I've had some great conversations on the concept of if. If, if the real world is the canvas with which we're, you know, in which we're communicating, because with augmented reality, you're either using it through your phone or you're using it through glasses that it will eventually come, then everywhere outside becomes a billboard, right? Not just the physical billboards that you see or the Times Square images. Every single inch of the world becomes a possibility for communication, for messaging from a marketing, advertising, and PR standpoint. So that brings a whole, you know, huge world of possibilities, but also challenges. And then you get into the conversation around ethics, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If, if we're going to bombard people with information, is that a positive thing or is that a negative thing, right? So that was one of their conversations. And then with AI, what I finding really interesting is the kind of this wave and what I'm, what I'm calling it, that several people are referencing as the, the synthetic decade uh, you know, where you're starting to see more and more of those virtual um, CGI influencers like little Michaela, for example, on Instagram, who's, you know, she's got 1.x million of followers on Instagram mm-hmm. and she is a CGI creation. She's not real. Right. So you're starting to see a lot more of this. Uh, what She's not really AI driven. Um, not yet. Well, not yet. Kind of a little bit, but you know, I think you're going to start to see more of this murky place where um, we're going to see more of those virtual beings or artificial humans kind of come into play, and then that's where also the PR person, you're like uh, something another trend that is going to impact the way we do our work.
0: Well, as you mentioned, uh, at least about the AI part, then I have seen some discussion about this this artificial person. I forget that. But is there yeah. also an ethics question there that maybe somebody needs to make sure that you know that uh, this person is not real mm-hmm. and, you know, we've constructed these things to for a specific reason and hoping for certain outcomes as a result of it? Should, do we need to make sure that we have that on the table as well?
1: Oh, huge. I think ethics, artificial intelligence and ethics are really critical parts of our conversations you know if you want to go even a step further because i'm i'm always kind of on the edge and thinking about what the edge looks like right in, in, in emerging technologies, and when you start thinking about a little bit further with human augmentation that means you know augmenting ourselves as humans whether it is through an external device that reads our thoughts or whether it is an actual you know implantation of some sort then you start getting into a lot of ethics as well so um Definitely, you know, my advice, for example, if, if I knew a young person in, you know, going to PR school right now in college, I would urge them to look at emerging technology and to look at ethics and maybe make that kind of what they're known for and what, mm-hmm. they're, uh, what they're really going to study.
0: The, the other question I have now is that in terms of audiences, uh, one of the issues that, that always comes up in, in public relations is who is your audience? And uh, how do you deliver that message to them? So, you know, we know and there's discussions about, as we call them now, Generation Z people who only want to get their messages in certain ways. But there's still others out there who get messages. They still read the newspapers. So has there been some discussion about how at least the AI folks are going to be able to manage dealing with these separate audiences?
1: Well, yeah, you know, from an AI, like, there, there's, two, there's two things I want to mention here. So, yes, from a, um, you know, from our software perspective, you know, there's AI tools that are going to be able to, you know, target you better and know what the mes- you know, specific message that you want to hear. For example, there's uh, Synesthesia, uh, a startup in the UK that's doing great work. What they're doing is they're actually using AI so that any YouTube video, uh, so let's say Casey Neistat does a video. He speaks English. And through synesthesia tool, he is actually you know when he posts the video and let's say you view that in um, in Korea uh, through synesth- through using the synesthesia tool, that person would view Casey Neistat's video in Korean, and Casey Neistat's mouth would move as it is as if it were speaking in Korean. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's all using AI. So imagine the impact that that has in the massive reach of, of, you know, of content for specific audiences. So that's pretty big. And then the other thing that I'm interested in is what will happen to marketing, PR, and communications when we start to realize in, you know, let's say five, t- ten years, that our you know, who is your audience, who are you speaking to, when that starts to shift. When your audience, um, you know, is not only regular humans, but becomes uh, humans that are augmented in some way, uh, it becomes robots, and it becomes uh, virtual influencers of some sort. So then you're going to have a whole other world of um, of of people, you know, people or personas or whatever you call them that you're going to be needing to communicate with. So you know that opens up a whole other world of possibilities and conversations to be had.
0: Mm-hmm. You know that that also brings up another. I'm not sure if there's a. Precise intersection here, but uh, we did a story, uh, a program uh, a month or so ago about voice search technology. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you've got robots <laughs> in your home talking to robots, mm-hmm. you know, say so and so to the robot to, you know, turn up the air conditioner, or find such and such on TV. Uh, is there a possibility that one technical piece will be talking to another technical piece to solve the problem? Oh yeah. Okay.
1: Yes, yes, 100%. I mean, and, and some of them are already talking amongst themselves. We just don't realize that this is through data. But, uh, um, but yeah, you know, to that point, something that really struck me the other day is, you know, I have Alexa on my kitchen counter, and she's great. I, you know, for I use her mostly for stuff like that and uh, on my kitchen counter. And I was asking for something. See, I'm saying her. I'm already embodying mm-hmm. her as a woman. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was asking Alexa something, and you know, she wasn't getting it, and I got upset. And my eight-year-old son comes up, comes over, and says, "Mom, you got to be nice to Alexa. You got to say yes and please and thank you." And it just hit me because I'm like, I view Alexa as a gadget, even though you know I'm pretty tech savvy, but to me, she's a gadget that I use. Mm-hmm for him she, he, she's more of a virtual companion virtual friend you know who tells him the weather or tells him a joke or reads him a story or even you know sometimes uh, tells <laughs> answers his homework questions for him if it's math um, so he you know they view these virtual assistants in a totally different way so what you start to see here is that idea of embodiment and what does the next you know whether it's Alexa or Siri or whatever what is the next phase of that? Is that what is is what is this going to be embodied as in the future?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, Kathy, this has been a very fascinating conversation. And one of the other things I wanted to ask you about briefly, and you know, talk about a small world. Um, uh, this uh holographic press release can you give us an overview of how that works and how does one get access to something like this?
1: Yeah, so back in was it 2016? I think back in 2016, I started to think about, okay, what is something disruptive that I could do with, you know, the work I'm doing? Uh, you know, so how can I disrupt PR in, a, in, a, in an interesting way? So I started a Skunk Works project back then. Um, and I was like, I'm going to bring to life the world's first holographic press release. Right? It was 2016. I went and Googled holographic press release. And the first hit I got was Actually, from Atlanta's Daybook, which is kind of a you know a PR tool uh, for press releases and stuff, and they were like announcing in 2015 a holographic press release. Well, they were actually doing it on April 1st, and it was an April Fool's Day joke mm-hmm. for a holographic press release, and that was in 2015. Fast forward to 2018 at the PRSA Icon Conference, I unveiled the world's first holographic press release. So it went from science, you know, from a science fiction thing or a or a joke a science fiction joke to actually be in a reality um so how does one get access to that you know i've I, I worked with a company called you are here labs that worked with me on the scanning and on pushing it to so you know through social media because we we released it through facebook and through it was facebook and snapchat that's where you could see the holographic press release and uh, it was just you know a really interesting project uh, you know if anyone's interested feel free to reach out i can put you in contact with the people that did it um you know, that helped me do it. And, um, yeah, you know, it's just a fun project, fun, fun project.
0: Well, this has all been very, very exciting. And, uh, I really want to thank you for taking time to uh, join us today. Um, uh, I'm sure that our listeners are going to get a lot out of this and, uh, you know, I hope and that sometime we'll, we'll have a chance to talk to you again in the very near future.
1: I hope so too. And, uh, you know, if anyone wants to connect on LinkedIn, that's, where I share a lot of my forward thinking and some videos of amazing tech and everything that's going on. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn and uh, thanks for having me.
0: Again, Kathy uh, uh, Hackle, thank you so much for joining us. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. And we'd also like to say thank you to our listener Whitney down in the great state of Florida. She is also a PR firm owner and uh, she sent us a very gracious note saying how much she appreciates the program. So we'd like to hear from you, too. If you enjoy the program, drop us a note. Also, if you enjoy the program, let us see it in your ratings. We appreciate that so much. And join us on the very next edition of the Public Relations Review Podcast. This podcast is produced by Communication Strategies, an award-winning public relations and public affairs firm headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us. This is Peter Woolfolk speaking. Now, first of all, thank you so very much for listening to the podcast. Now, I am very excited to let you know that the podcast is now available on Amazon Alexa. You know the drill. Simply say, Alexa, play Public Relations Review Podcast, and she'll take you from there. And again, thank you for listening. And if you enjoy the program, please become a subscriber. Now, on to the podcast.